Good morning, Sanctuary. Good morning. My name is Tara Hollingsworth, and I have the absolute, absolute privilege and honor of serving here at Sanctuary. Um, I get to serve our young people here. I serve our middle school and high school ministry, and that ministry is called Mosaic. So if you ever think about it, just shoot up a couple prayers for Mosaic. Um, I'm honored to be here with you guys this morning. Let's take a second and pray. Lord Jesus, we acknowledge you. We acknowledge your presence in this room. We acknowledge your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you tore the veil so that we could be in your presence, so that your spirit could dwell on the inside of us. And so we could boldly approach the throne room of grace. Lord, if there's any guilt or shame that's weighing heavy on hearts this morning, I just ask that your spirit would release it. God, if there's anyone who feels unworthy of your love, God, I ask that your spirit would do what it does and deal with that heart right now in the name of Jesus. God, release guilt in this room. Lord God, I pray that we would accept our rightful place as your children, as someone who has a place before you. And we thank you that you made a way for that. So Lord, in our times where we feel like striving to earn your love or striving to um, get back right with you, Lord Jesus, let us know that you made us right before the Father. God, I ask that you would be glorified this morning. God, that you would cause your spirit to bring hyper-focus to our minds, that we could hear your word. God, your word is sharper than any two-edged sword, so we ask that your word would pierce our hearts, that your word would be a mirror to our lives this morning, that we would be able to see the ways that you're working in our lives, to see the ways that you're working in our church, and to be able to discern the path that you have for us. Heighten our discernment for 2020, that we would be able to follow you, that we would be obedient to you. You are sovereign, Lord. You are supreme. We thank you that you are Lord of our lives. Thank you that in this place, in this church, you are central to everything we do. You are the Lord of our lives. We thank you, King Jesus. In your precious name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, good morning again. I am excited to be here with you guys. I love Sundays. I love be able to be with you um, and to be with like-minded people. Um, let's jump right into scripture. The title of this message today is called Walk, and we are going to open up first with um, Deuteronomy 5. So if you do have your Bibles with you, I want to invite you to open up to Deuteronomy 5, and let's read verse 33 together. Verse 33 says this. It says, Walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. So last week, Pastor Edrin um, kind of set us up for our 2020 theme. And we'll be able to jump into that 2020 theme within the next few weeks. But he basically prepared our hearts to be able to um, learn how us as a sanctuary family can begin to truly understand the spirit deeper, to walk in the spirit, to um, breathe in the spirit, and what that means when the spirit is represented as breath and as wind. And I'm excited to get into that with you all this morning. Um, we also got to look back and, and talk about how our founder of the sanctuary, 
Pastor Ephraim Smith wrote up um, dreams and visions for this church and what it would be. Um, and he wrote those several years ago, and we got to kind of crack that open again and see what the original dreams were for that church. And that was fascinating to me. And kind of like Pastor Edger and I do love history, I really like analyzing how things got to be to where they are today. I really appreciate birthdays and I really appreciate New Year's Eve because you get to look back and see all the events that took you to this very moment. When you get to analyze your habits, analyze the things that you've done and say, how did I get here? And I actually really do enjoy that time. Um, And as we spend time looking back, we also do get to celebrate one of my absolute favorite, favorite forward thinkers. And my favorite forward thinker is none other than Martin Luther King Jr., who we get to celebrate tomorrow. Aren't we excited for that? Mm -hmm. So we get to celebrate that, and some of us get to take work off. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. And so hopefully we can take some time and reflect and, and understand the kind of places that God has brought us from, but then also, too, look at the future and see how God could be using us. I do want to acknowledge this morning the kind of um, the kind of amazing thing that Martin Luther King do- did for us here at this church. He paved a way, and I do believe that he paved a way for us to be able to sit in a church like this right now, to where we could be in multi-ethnic church, to where we could be next to people who grew up so differently than we did and who look so differently than we do. We can sit in this church among black and brown leaders and listen to black and brown and white leaders, and we can talk amongst each other um, and, and across race, across um, status and all those things. And it's just been a blessing for me. And I'm grateful for multi-ethnic church. Um, I do acknowledge that I think sometimes mono-ethnic church can probably be easier. Because a mono-ethnic church, you know, you kind of know what, what's expected of you. You kind of understand the culture. You understand the norm. You understand this goes and this doesn't. We cannot do this here. We can do this here, that kind of thing. But in multi-ethnic church, you don't really know what, what goes here. Like, what can you do? What can you not do? What's the norm? Like, can she really be preaching in a hoodie? But I am. I am. And so you kind of don't really know, like, what can you get away with here? And what can you not get away with here? I, so many times people ask me, you know, what kind of church is sanctuary? And I do one of those. I'm like, well, and I have to think about it because I'm like, what, man, how do you, how do you describe all of this? How do you um, talk about reconciliation and, and tackling um, unjust systems? And how do you talk about, um, you know, inviting people into your culture and being offended and offending and, how, and then reconciling once again? How do you explain all that? But then also say, but we are also biblically sound and we truly do believe in the truth of Scripture. It's a hard thing, but I do love multicultural, multi-ethnic church. And uh, multicultural, it, it, I mean, it's in my bones, both figuratively and literally. Um, it's in my bones, and I've always had such a deep appreciation um, just for different cultures. I just remember being a little kid and wanting to experience, like, authentic foods from different places, and I always wanted to learn, like, I wanted to learn bachata and merengue and salsa, and I, but I wanted to learn it, like, from people who knew what they were talking about. I didn't want to just learn it from anybody. I was like, if you do that little extra kick step in between the rhythm, I need to be doing that extra little kick step, and I need to have my hands the way that you do. Like, I just, I really was so interested. And I remember one of the very first meals that I cooked was like authentic curry. I didn't want to buy the powder. I didn't want to buy the paste. I'm like, what foods make up this? How did you get this? And I even have committed my life to Um, eating with chopsticks, no matter how long it takes me to eat. 
no matter how hungry I am, I'm like, no, we are going to get this. If I am at this restaurant, I'm going to eat the way they eat. And so I've just, I'm so grateful to be here and to be able to be taught by brothers and sisters, um, people who are, you know, are willing to teach me their culture and, and also for people who um, are willing to learn mine. And there's sometimes where we offend each other and we have to, you know, apologize and ask the better way. And we say things we shouldn't say and do things we shouldn't do. But I'm grateful for the grace in this church. I'm truly grateful for that. Um, and so though I, um, I don't and won't put myself in the same even sentence as Martin Luther King Jr., I do um, like to consider myself a forward thinker. My issue is my forward thinking sometimes can be confined to like what vacation I want to go on or what I want to eat for dinner or eat the next day. It always has to do with like what I want to do. And so it takes a lot of work for me to be able to channel that forward thinking into vision and into plans and things that can actually come to pass. So whenever, if you think about me sometimes, just, just pray for your girl because I'm probably daydreaming or, you know, just thinking about something that has to do with the future. Um, but this morning, I want us all to recognize that no matter what your background is, no matter where you came from, no matter if you consider yourself a forward thinker or not, I want us all to examine the ways that we walk. And I, all, and I want us all to examine the paths that we're paving for the next generation. It doesn't matter what you feel that your occupation is or what your strengths are or what your strengths aren't. I want us all to be conscious that we pave a new pathway for the next generation. And so paving a way is actually, um, it's something, it's like a phrase that we use a lot, but if you really think about it, it takes so much. It is um, such a, um, a blessing when someone goes ahead of you and paves a way for you. Paving a way takes three things. It takes time, it takes consistency, and it takes focus. And so I want to submit to us this morning that maybe the Spirit is calling us to make a new way. Though there's other routes that are set before us that may look better, may look easier, may look cleaner, may look brighter, I want to submit to us this morning that maybe sometimes, thank you, we have to pave a brand new way. And to pave this way, all we really have to do is walk, which I'll come back to. And there's actually a name for this. Um, there's a name um, in urban planning for making a new way. And basically, what that is, is that's, is that's called a desire path. And a desire path is made when there's already a pavement set out, already a way that you're supposed to go, but somebody decides that there's a better way. Somebody decides that there's a new way. And they take that way, and walking back and forth that way creates a new man-made path. After a while, after walking in the same direction, it becomes a man-made path. And that's a, de a desire path right there. <clears throat> and so this morning, I feel God calling us to walk and to create a new path. Um, many of us are taking the path that our family and our friends took because it's already set out. It's already, this is the way that you're supposed to go. These are the things that you're supposed to do. Um, sometimes those ways may look better. They look easier. They look cleaner. But God is asking us, I think, as a church and as individuals to create a new path. So I'm going to take this for a moment out of the figurative and into the literal. Here's some paths that some of us take. Some of us take the path of destruction um, and of destruction, destructive emotional behavior because that's what was laid out before us. So since my family dealt with things this way, I'm going to deal with things this way. Since I saw outbursts, I'm going to also have outbursts. Some of us take the path of culture and walk and change with the wind because that's what's been laid out. So you walk the path of culture issue with that is that the culture is always changing. So you, every time, you know, the culture changes, you move with it. 
So whatever path is happening in front of you, whatever path is new and trendy, that's the one you take. Some of us take the path of destructive sexual behavior because that's all we know. This is the way my family did things, so this is the way I'll do things. But the paths in our lives, the places that we go, the things that we choose must, must change for the sake of the future. And I believe that though none of us in this room are MLK, I believe that we still do have a responsibility to pave a new way. And that way will create an additional way for others behind you. So as we get into this a little bit more, I want us to remember that paving a way takes three things. It takes time, it takes consistency, and it takes focus. And Sanctuary, this morning, I'm not asking you to run. I'm not asking you to sprint. Um, I'm not asking you to, to move faster and do more, but just to walk. Walk and pave a new way. So this morning, where we're going to spend the majority of our time is we're going to um, figure out three ways and three new paths that we can take. There's three areas that we can begin to pave a new way that will deeply impact our lives and generations to come. And those three are walk the path of emotional health, walk the path of truth, and walk the path of sexual purity. So number one, walk the path of emotional health. Now I hope with your 2020 goals that you have, I know the top one is always, you know, lose weight, get in shape, get healthy. I hope that next to your physical health goals is your mental and your emotional health goals. I hope that you wrote those down too and didn't forget about those because those are very important. And here's why. If we don't acknowledge the events that took place in our past, our behaviors will continue to be out of control. If we don't acknowledge the things that we've been through, if we don't acknowledge the trauma that we've had to face, our behaviors will continuously be out of control. And I believe that our young people need to see us healing from our, from our pasts. Our young people need to see us creating a new pathway to acknowledge our emotions and to be real with ourselves and be real with God in the places that we're in. Maybe, maybe our young people need to see us cry. Maybe our young people need to see us having healthy conflict and then healthy conflict resolution. Maybe just because your family never talked about stuff or your family never um, resolved things publicly, that doesn't mean that you can't. That doesn't mean that you can't learn. We're all responsible for the, for, to heal from the things that we've been through. Maybe the next generation needs to see us be in control of our anger. Unresolved hurt is a weapon. Unresolved hurt is a weapon. And I'll show you how. Um, I'm going to invite you to open up with me to Exodus, um, Exodus chapter 2. Let's read from Exodus chapter 2, starting at verse 11 and going through verse 15. It says this. One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day, he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me like you killed that Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Now, I want us to take a second and imagine the kinds of things that Moses had to grapple with. So Moses, an Israelite, who was saved by this Egyptian family after his mom put him in a basket and sent him down the river. If you have never heard that story, I'm sure it sounds like a soap opera. It kind of is. And so imagine him being in a high place and looking out over the Israelites. 
and looking out over his people and wondering which one of them may be my family. Which one of them may be the ones who contributed to saving me? Which one of those who's beaten, who's overworked, who's starved, who's in the hot sun all day? I wonder which ones of, of those are kin to me. I wonder who was there. I wonder who, who came around my mother to save me. I wonder what that's like. And imagine that guilt of saying, Why, how come I was the one that was saved? Sometimes we, have, we come from different families, and sometimes we're the one, you know, that's doing okay. And just imagine, like, when we look at our other siblings and our other family and extended, extended family members, and we say, you know what, how come I don't have to struggle with them? And that's, I, that's I, how I believe Moses was feeling, and all that anger and all those built-up questions and maybe no one to process with. And he took that anger out on an Egyptian man and killed him. Unresolved hurt is a weapon. And if we don't deal with it, we will continue to use it against other people. Pete Scazzaro, who wrote the book Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, um, we actually went through that book together as a church a few years back. But he said something that stuck with me. And basically what he was saying was, how can we grow spiritually if we can't grow emotionally? We can't be spiritually mature if we're emotionally immature. And so if you continue to try to grow your spirituality, but you still have these um, emotional issues that are stunting your growth, it's going to begin to um, distort our view of God and our view of each other. I believe that this is why we see people projecting um, their mess onto your life in church. So I think of it, maybe there's like a, a new couple in church or something like that. And so a girl brings her boyfriend to church and goes up to, you know, one of somebody and is like, hey, this is my new boyfriend. And they're like, oh, nice, whatever. The boy leaves and someone comes up and is like, uh-uh, you need to break up with him. Mm-mm, that's not right. I just feel it in my spirit. I can tell that's not right. But really, you have unresolved hurt from your past relationships and something and that triggered you and now you want to blame that person for what you've been through. And we just can't continue to project our own issues onto somebody else. Just because you went through that, you've got to heal from it so that you don't see your hurt in everybody else's situation. It's much easier, I, I understand, it's much easier to not acknowledge the things that you've been through it's much easier to not go to therapy. I was the biggest advocate for therapy until I started going. <laughs> that was, and then I was like, why would I do this to myself? <laughs> but just stay with it, stay with it. I'm telling you, it, it, it will get better. But we can begin to rewire those neural pathways in our brain so that we can have different reactions. So now we have some people, every time you feel threatened, you want to cut somebody out. Every time you feel threatened, you want to attack because that is your natural response. Every time you feel lonely, you overeat. Or every time you feel rejected, you call what's the name, right? I know a pastor that says, I'm in your house now. And I'm not just in your business, I'm in my business too. But we must create new paths so that now if you feel rejected, you don't just lash out on people, but you run to the word of God and you remember who you are in Christ and you remember that you are chosen, that you're not rejected, that you're not forgotten, that you have a place at the table of God. You can know that now. And when you're lonely, you don't have to go to anything that you can to fill that void. But you can rely on your community. That you can rely on the word of God and who he says that you are. That's how we begin to rewire the things in our minds and heal from the things that we've been through. Number one was walk the path of emotional health. Number two, walk the path of truth. Your commitment to the truth of God will cause you to be at odds with others. So let's just, let's just be okay with that right now. Your commitment to the truth of God will cause you to be at odds with others. 
And for those of us in this room that are people pleasers, it's harder for us to get that. Some of us who are not, some of us Enneagram 8s are like, I don't care. <laughs> but some of us care. And if we're being honest, we do. But it's going to cause us to be at odds with others and even some people that we care deeply about. But compromising scripture is confusing. And it doesn't matter your reasoning for compromising scripture. Some of us compromise scripture to deeply, deeply protect our conservative views. But then some of us also compromise scripture to deeply, deeply protect our liberal views. And I believe that there's um, something interesting going on when someone from our church, maybe a young person, a teenager from our church, can go on Facebook, though they're not on Facebook much, or go on Instagram, whatever they choose. Y'all know they're back on Snapchat, right? They tricked us. That's for something else. We thought they were off. Mm-mm, they're still on Snapchat. Or go wherever they want, Instagram or, or Facebook, whatever. And they can see people, two people from the same church, and their views of Jesus contradict. And I believe it's confusing them. It is confusing them so much. And if I'm being honest, it's confusing me. How two people who believe in, in, in Jesus and who he says he is, and they say they believe, and they've been changed, and they've been transformed by the truth of God, can say two things that contradict when the truth of the Lord never changes, when Jesus never changes. And so we have to get back to the drawing board and understand what is it that we're, what, that we're protecting? Are we protecting scripture or are we protecting our own agendas? Um, Martin Luther King said something incredible that just, just rocked me. He said, what you're saying may get you a foundation grant, but it won't get you into the kingdom of truth. What you're saying may get you a foundation grant, but it won't get you into the kingdom of truth. So we have to choose what we're going to stand on. We have to choose if we're going to choose. There's going to be a come a time where we have to choose between being PC and be, being biblical. There's going to come a time where we have to choose between the approval of man and the approval of God. There's going to come a time where we have to choose between protecting humanity and protecting sin. What are you more protective of? What do you want people to say about you? There's many things that you can say. We know how to play the game. We know who our audience is. We know what we can say to get approval, to get likes, to get applause. But is what you're saying aligning with the truth in the scripture of Jesus? Number one was walk the path of emotional health. Number two was walk the path of truth. And number three, walk the path of sexual purity. Can I talk about this? Y'all still love me? All right. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm going to start with scripture so that y'all can't be mad at me. Uh, let's open up to Colossians 3. Colossians 3, verse 5. It says this. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Sanctuary, our sexual choices have an impact on our families. And though there are many, many reasons for broken families, many reasons in the system, many reasons um, naturally, there are so many reasons for broken families, but we do have to acknowledge that sexual impurity is one of them, that it does contribute to broken families. And y'all may be mad at me, but that's okay. I gotta be committed to the word of truth. Um, but just because everyone does something, it's, it doesn't make it okay. Yes, that may be the path that was laid out for you. Maybe you've never seen another way. Maybe there is no other path that you can take. This is the path. This is the only thing I know. And that's why I believe that God is calling us to create a new path. Maybe this is the way your family did it. Maybe this is the way your friends do things. 
Maybe your whole community, everyone you've ever grown up around takes this path. This is why I believe God is asking us to create a new way so that young people can, can have, have, see these things and see the way that you have walked and then follow and walk with you that way too. I believe it's important. And what if God is choosing you, you to be the one to create a new path of sexual purity for your family? I believe that um, it will be hard work, but it'll be easier for those who do come after you. And we get to rewrite this path and stand for sexual purity so that we don't have to pass down the same generational sins to our children. So that hopefully one day our kids don't have to struggle with the kind of things that we did or the kind of things that our grandparents did. We can draw a line and say it stops here because I'm, I'm, I'm rewriting a new path. And I want us all to remember, too, that it's not instantaneous and it's not going to be perfect. Again, it takes time, it takes consistency, and it takes focus. So behind me in a moment, you'll see a photo um, of kind of a way that a desire path is um, how it happens. And so um, there will be a photo here on this side, and it will basically show how there's It's okay, I have it right here. So there's, a <laughs> so there's three photos. And this one right here, it shows that you kind of can't really see a path there. So if you look at it, you're like, mm, I don't really know the way. And maybe some people are saying, I don't know the way. I've never seen it done before. I practically don't know how to do X, Y, and Z. And so I don't know the way. But then as you begin to walk that way, you can kind of see something. So then maybe our young people can look at it and say, you know what? This is the way I'm used to taking, but I'm kind of seeing that maybe people are taking this way. Maybe this is something I can do. Maybe this is a way that I can model. And we spark that in their minds and in each other's minds that maybe this is a way that I can take. And then the last photo right here, there's a clear way, a clear path. And it's going to take time. But there will be a time where our our young people are going to be able to see the path that you took, the path that you took day in and day out, and say, I can choose that path too. Now I know the way because someone ahead of me did that. Sanctuary, this morning, I want to encourage you to walk and to create a new path. While I was taking some time studying um, some human behavior and landscaping, there were many land managers who actually were really frustrated with these desire paths. Um, They said, we already have a way for you. You know, take this way. We've created it for you. It's easier. But some people just insisted on, on creating their own way. And so what these land managers did is they started to build barriers around where the desire paths were. They started building fences. Um, and and putting all these uh, landmarkers so that people couldn't get to that path. But there was these people, these darn hikers, who had their backpacks and they climbed these fences, and they said, I don't care what barrier you put in my path, that's the way I'm walking. And what if we could have that same boldness and that same confidence as one of those hikers that say, I don't care what kind of barrier is ahead of me, I'm going to jump over this fence and I'm going to walk in the way of the Lord. It may be hard, it may be tough, there may be so many things that are in front of me, but with the grace of God, I can jump those fences. Maybe you're a hiker this morning. I believe that at Sanctuary, we are creating desire paths. I believe that we're creating a desire path for a multicultural church that people in Minneapolis can look 20 years later and said sanctuary did it and I'm going to follow what sanctuary did so that more people can be in community together that don't look like each other. I believe that. I believe that sanctuary North Minneapolis will have to be called sanctuary North Minneapolis to distinguish between the other ones. It won't just be sanctuary. Sanctuary North, sanctuary South, sanctuary St. Paul, right? But we have to walk that path. I believe that us at Sanctuary, we're walking the path of women in leadership so that the sisters after me can come up here 
and it'll be easier for them because they've seen Pastor Rose. They've seen Pastor Cecilia. I believe that we're walking the path of reconciliation that across, across racial lines, but also just practically, then when you don't get along with a brother or sister in this room, that you can go to them biblically and you can reconcile. I believe that we're walking the path of dismantling unjust systems. And it's going to take time and it's going to take focus. It's going to take consistency. But I believe that as long as we keep walking that path, we'll begin to create a new way and create these new paths together. And when, when you begin to walk, when you begin to create these paths, people come along with you. And those people become allies. And what that looks like is that looks like normalizing therapy together. What that looks like is that looks like joining life groups and being in Bible study and walking these paths with people. I'm going to invite the um, worship team to come back up. But before I take my seat, I want to acknowledge that some of us in this room, some of us in this room are, are too tired to walk. There's some of us who say, I, I've tried to walk a new way and now I'm tired. And if that's you in this room, I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is capable of picking you up. The Holy Spirit can pick you up. He can walk with you. You may be walking in this room and your consistency is at the top of its game. And God bless you for that. Maybe you're walking, maybe you're hiking and you're saying there are barriers set before me and I'm jumping over them. But maybe you just don't have it in you and you need the Holy Spirit to come and fill you up and give you that energy and pick you up. He does that. And so no matter where you are, I want to give you guys a little bit of time to reflect. The crazy thing is, is I can take my seat and then it's the Holy Spirit's job to come and reveal to you which path you create. It's up to the Holy Spirit to tell you this is the path that you should take. This is the new path that you should take. You're walking along this one and this is the, this is the place I need you to go. Maybe the Holy Spirit will encourage you and say, I know you've been creating a new path. I know you're creating a new path of financial freedom for your family. I know you're creating a new path of sexual purity. I know you're creating a new path of mental and emotional wellness. Keep going. There may be barriers in front of you, but jump over them. Climb them. Keep going. And so as the worship team sings, I want to invite you guys to stand up and, and, and let the Holy Spirit begin to reveal things to you. Deuteronomy 5.33 says, Walk in obedience to all that the Lord has commanded you, so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. Sanctuary, just imagine what is at the end of that path that God is leading you to. Stand with me.